0: Let's start with the introduction, if we would. Uh, You can see it on the sheet there. In the confession of sins, we say some things that we may not understand. We say things like thought, word, and deed. I don't know, maybe you understand that. We say that we are, by nature, sinful and unclean. We confess sins that we have done and sins that we have left undone. This is drawing from all the different confessions that we use, right? Today we are going to learn about confessing sins. What do we say? Why do we say the things that we say? All right. Um, by the way, this is something I think it's important to note, is that until the Lutheran Reformation, um, for at least a thousand years of, the, of church history, people did not have a strong confession of what sin is because confession was done in the, in the confessional, privately. All right. It was the Lutheran Reformation in particular and then the other reformers following that said um, private confession we talked about should be maintained, right? For the sake of consciences that need to be unburdened, like for specific sins, right? But they have a corporate, we have a corporate confession, right? That we confess every time we gather, pretty, well, for divine service anyway. Anytime there's a sacrament, we all confess together. And the purpose of that is it's not just so that you say the same words every week, because, you know, we're kind of boring and we're not very creative. <laughs> Why do we say the same words over and over? Yeah, so we remember them, right? Because we also don't believe them. What? Yes, we don't believe them. There's more chairs if you want. You look comfy there. It's nice. Super cozy. Front rows, more. warm. It's okay, Ron. You can sit there. All right, so th- this is really important. It's a distinctive thing. There's a lot of distinctives that we have, despite some of the things that look very similar um, to other church bodies, Roman church or other Protestant churches. We have some things that are unique in our practice, okay? And this, this historically was one of them, the, confession, the corporate confession of sins, because it's proclamation. It's preaching as much as it's hearing and confession, right? Um, obviously, there's other things, too. Uh, the big one would be the Dimittis, singing that after communion. That was Luther, and really, Lutherans are the only ones who do that. Also, the singing of the words of institution, just Lutherans, right? That is one of the reasons I like to do it, is because it does distinguish us. Luther said that's gospel, and the gospel always is great. It always goes. It's even more communicative if it's sung, right? You can sing it, because then it goes into your ears, and more than just in your head, but it goes all the way into your heart. That's what music does. All right, so continuing, by nature, sinful and unclean. We confess that we are by nature, sinful and unclean. What does this mean, nature mean? Or what does by nature mean? All right, so by nature means that we are born with or what we inherit from our forefathers. It means that we are born with a desire to sin. We are born thinking only of ourselves. Even when we were in our mother's womb, we were sinful, already rebelling against God even from our mother's womb. Hmm. The sin that we are born with or conceived with is called original sin. That's our technical definition, right? Original sin is the sin that is passed on from Adam and Eve to all their children, including us, all right? So I've described this as... I've, whatever framework works for you to understand this, but I, I liken it to the disease and then the symptom or symptoms right? So the disease is called, (laughs) I know, that's why I have a whole box in here, all right, symptoms? It was close. All right, so the disease we call original sin, or if you're hip to the cultural lingo, the OG sin, Um, but oh, that's origin, right? That's in that word, origin. What's the origin of sin? Yeah. The garden, yeah, Adam and Eve, right. So that's the disease that's passed on from children, from father to children, from Adam to his children. Um, and we're all part of that. Then the symptoms are what we're going to talk about today, right, of the disease. Right. Both are rebellion against God, both by nature, but also then the evidence of that nature. All right. So we're going to talk about that. All right, Psalm 51, verse 5. You know Psalm 51? Creating. Yeah, right? Clean heart, oh God, that's part of it. That's verse, where is that? Verse 10? Yeah, there it is. Right? So in Divine Service Setting 3, we sing that every Sunday before we receive the sacrament. So we actually, in Divine Service Setting 3, or the, what historically was called the common service, meaning everybody used it. And then back in the 50s, people decided that, ah, that's not good enough. We need to have like 15 different ones so that everybody does something different. Because that's boring, right? You don't want everybody doing the same thing. That's what do. A little sarcasm. Sorry. Um, you would have two confessions, right? Because you confess at the beginning before the service of the word. but then the offertory was the confession before receiving the sacrament. Create in me a clean heart of God renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast not. Now I have to read it. Because it's different there. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me a willing spirit. Right? Yeah, you're still singing. All right, but notice what comes before it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you recognize it. Uh, Before that, actually, She's mad that I didn't let her grab my foot. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Or in other words, forgive me. Yeah, forgive us our sins. Wash me, another, this is just more picture language, right? Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. All right, we'll talk more about atonement next time. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So this is David confessing that by his actions he's proving God right in his word. So by David's sin he's demonstrated that God was true when he said, "You're a sinner." <laughs> we don't think about our sin as actually being a confession of a way, isn't it? but it is it's proving what god's word is true, that God's word is true when it says that we're born and conceived in sin. All right well, he's going to say that himself here in a minute. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. All right. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and if the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. There's another one. Picture of forgiveness, right? Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. You see how it goes? Mm -hmm. So, when we, we don't sing the whole psalm every week because you know, <laughs> well, but um, now you see the context. It's in that, so we are, it is in the context of confession of sins. And then, where do we receive forgiveness after we sing Psalm 51 in service three? In the sacrament, in the sacrament that's right, exactly. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of, sin. forgiveness of sins. Good, all right. So that, that's pretty self-evident, isn't it? Oh, but we should say something about verse 10, since or verse 5, which we were supposed to look at there. Um, there's a lot of medieval and before early uh, church people who said, well, that means that, that the things that lead to children, because you're conceived in sin, so even the conception itself, the act of conceiving a child is sinful. Yeah, many of them. So, so there you have many church people who are saying, I'm not going to have children because it might be sinful. And I can't enjoy having children because that would be sinful too. How dare I take pleasure in the gifts that God gives? I know. Um, this is where, this is where pi- pious things turn into piety. You know about this? So at first it starts out, it's like, well, you know, there's possibility of sin. Here's the problem. What does this Bible say about the possibility of sin? Everything we think, say, and do is corrupted by our sinful condition. Oh, we haven't gotten to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Everything is done in sin unless it's done with faith in Christ and then it's done in the forgiveness of sins, right? All right. We'll talk about this. So when were we first sinners? From our very... What's the answer to the first question? When were we first sinners? Yeah, from our conception, right? What does John 3 say? That's the other verse, right? Um, that which is born—this is with Nicodemus, right? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, right? So if <laughs> if you're conceived by sinful people, then you are sinful. Or, um, as I once heard a person who I don't trust anymore say, "Well, what's 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 the son of a duck?" Another duck. A duck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a son, of sin- or son or daughter of sinners is a sinner. Yeah. That nature is passed on. You never thought about it, right? Oh, a son of a duck. That's a goose. Like, no. See, that's what, and that, that's what he meant. Who's was actually in the context of talking about confession. By the way, this is Stephen Colbert, who's completely gone off the rails. Yeah, I mean, he, he claims to be a professing Christian. I, I'm not always sure based off of some of the things he promotes. But, um, yeah, a Roman Catholic, I think, if I remember it, But that's where I got that expression from. I thought it was pretty clever. Yeah, hey, even uh, a broken clock is twice, right, twice a day, right? It's true, I think. I don't know. I use, I use these digital things. I have no idea what a clock is. Yeah, that's right, exactly. You got it. All right. Summarize Ephesians two. Well, we were in Ephesians six in church, but we can do Ephesians two. Some of you probably learned this um, by heart. It's my confirmation verse eight and nine is anyway. Right? We're not going to go that far. We want to look at the first couple of verses. So, somebody want to read one through three there? Ready to do a sign? <laughs> you yeah. can. All right, Gabe, go for it. You spoke up. You're smiling. <laughs> And you and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit who now works in the son of disobe- sons of disobedience, among whom also we all have conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Well, there you go. So this is St. Paul reflecting on the same thing. What three things describe what we are like by nature?
1: What three things?
0: It's right there in verse three. All right, number one. Yeah, we conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Um, lust, I love that word, lust. We don't use it in any other context, which is always then hard, because people are like, what does that actually mean? Passions, desires. Somebody have a different translation? Passions. Yeah. Passions, yeah. That's a good word for it. Because usually we only put lust and attached to the Sixth Commandment, right? Mm-hmm. With desiring um, sexually with somebody somebody or someone else, right? But it has to do with all the passions, right? Keep your emotions in check yeah. is a pretty good maxim for you if you want it. Because right? your desires, um, unless they're in conformity to God's Word, may actually lead you away from faith. This is why I'm so dispassionate. You know? I never smile, never frown. Just... It, it's very subtle. You just have to pay attention. Look at the eyebrows. You know. okay. uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. All right? So it's not just that you lust after things that you don't have, coveting, but the desires of the flesh. What does the flesh desire? Yeah. Remember, Eve. She saw that the tree w- w- she looked and she saw, right? That the tree was pleasing to the eyes. Pleasing to the eyes, that's correct. Desired to make one wise. Right. So pleasing to the eyes is lust. And then desire to make one wise, right? For the benefit of it. Do you really want to know the difference between good and evil? Wouldn't it be better just to know good and not know evil? Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh huh. Flesh and mind. So it's not just it's not just like those like the hormonal drive of the body, but but it's even the things we think about, right? Okay. And then we and we're by there it is. We're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So this is very important. What Paul is saying here is that you know as Christians we should have complete sympathy um, for those who are yet unbelievers. Because that's, we all were. Now some of us, most of us probably were baptized as we little infants, right? So did we ever know, you know, full-on rebellion against God and his word? No. This is why I actually like to have, keep, keep friends close who are adult converts who came to faith later. Because they, they have a totally different perspective. But I, I think it's actually more realistic. We're, we're a little naive, right? Uh, that's why, that's why sometimes The the convert to faith as an adult is much more zealous for the faith, not always, but sometimes they're like they're like really all in because they know they know the opposite right. Whereas we will flirt with sin all the time because we don't realize the danger of it because we didn't we haven't lived it 100 percent you know we've always had that struggle between flesh and spirit as long as we've been aware right. Uh, I'm not discouraging you from waiting to baptize your children or something. (laughs) Right. It's better not to know what it's like to not be a Christian, ultimately. right? Yeah. But, um, like I said, it's good to keep those folks around so that we can be, for that perspective. right? Um, and we're, by nature, children of wrath, just as the others. Children of God's punishment. Now, I know we don't like this idea, but God does punish those who rebel against him. And ultimately, those who remain in persistent stubborn rebellion against God, get to be with the devil and his angels in the place prepared for them. Does God like that? Does that God want that? No, but God is faithful to His Word, All right? Sorry, she's always fun. Keep us entertained, right? All right, good. Any questions on that so far? All right, nothing. No. Okay, turn the page. Summarize First Corinthians two fourteen. I kind of like doing these uh, plan this this study anyway. That's written for high schoolers or middle middle schoolers. It keeps it. Otherwise, I'm like, no, 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 Playing in the clouds, what? Ah, but I also don't like to set too low of a standard because then you don't have anywhere to go to, right? It's just a little bit of both. Do both. All right, so there, 1 Corinthians 2.14, right? I'll read it. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, we might as well keep going. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Wow, Paul really likes that song. Uh, but we have the mind of Christ. right? The natural man. So, again, here's that word by nature we are sinful and So, we're talking about how we are apart from, apart from Jesus. Mm-hmm. We cannot receive the things of God. Because they're, t- they're foolish, they don't make any sense. Uh, the probably still don't make any sense, but you still receive them now, right? Yeah. Um, nor can we know them because they are spiritually discerned. That is, discerned by, by the Spirit who you receive in baptism. Right, did I just summarize it? I think I did the work for you. I did. What else can we not do by nature? Receive the things of the Spirit. Now, we confess this in a little bit fuller language in the third article of the Creed, right? In the explanation, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But, good news, the Holy Spirit has called me by the Gospel. Right? See, it's all the Spirit's job. To bring you to faith, to keep you in the faith, um, to gather the church, to strengthen the church, it's all the Spirit. Okay? Not I who do these things, but Christ who is in me who does these things. That's why Paul would say, often, I can't really boast, except in, the, except in Christ. If anything good is accomplished in me, it's Jesus' job. It's Jesus doing his work. Right? Thanks for your compliments, by the way. Some of you do that occasionally. Uh, I appreciate those. I try to remember to defer to Jesus and say, thanks be to God, or something like that. Right? Because as uh, soon as you start taking credit as a teacher, a preacher, you start thinking a little bit more highly of yourself than you ought, and that's your downfall. So... A lesson to be learned there. It's a gift from the Spirit. All right. So let's talk about thought, word, and deed. Because <sighs> this is the problem. We... Barb wants to share with us? You have something? Yes. Well, I agree with you. Yeah. We don't want to think kind of ourselves But I think God also gives us encouragers right. so that yeah. we continue to do what's right. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's why I say I'm always thankful for encouragement. At the same time, I have to be on guard, that the encouragement right. doesn't go to my head and I become proud of myself. Yeah, so it's always both. But that's, I mean, that's the double life that we live, right? Where, you know, by the Spirit, encouragement comes, and then according to my flesh, I take encouragement and turn it in, not to a gift, but now into a curse that I use to boast in myself, you see. So it's that struggle of that double life, always. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. All right, so thought, word, and deed. We say this, we always say it, thought, word, and deed. Just like devil, sin, death, death, and the devil, right? It's like, I, whatever. We say that all the time. And then today I tried to commend you to think about it a little bit more seriously. Right, same thing with thought, word, and deed. God knows all our thoughts and deeds. Not a single thing we think, say, or do is hidden um, from us. By the way, it's not hidden from God either. I think he means from God. That's why I love that we just did this, Leah, in confirmation class, right? We just did the Garden of Eden this week. And it's it's the hilarious things. You know, the fig leaf clothing. Come on, guys. Then they're hiding in the trees. Where are you? God says. <laughs> yeah, like I made the trees and I made you. I numbered the hair on your head. Give me a break. Think you can hide from me? What are you thinking? But he plays along with them, right? Because they're children. <laughs> Right, and this is what you do when you're teaching children. You know, you can't always lit on that. You know, you already know who they are. Although I make make a habit of reminding my children all the time that I have it on it. So, good luck trying to hide it from you. <laughs> it's especially true with your own children, right? It's like yeah, epigenetic. You literally yeah. Anything you think you, uh, as long as I know your mom and myself, I pretty much know you. All right. Um, What were we saying? We we turn, when we confess our sins, we turn to him for forgiveness of the sins that we know are wrong, right? And that's, if you don't remember, repentance, the Greek word for repentance is, anybody know? You know your Greek, right? Metanoia, metanoia, you know what meta means, right? The prefix meta means to, to change, that's right, to change. Noia is, from which we get noetic, or, I'm trying to think of other things, knowledge comes from that, right? So it's to change your, your mind. Like neuro, neuro stuff, like. Yeah, neuro, neurological, that's the Greek word. The Hebrew word is, I can't remember, something in Hebrew, um, and it means to turn around. So it's where you're, so in Hebrew, it's who, where are you facing? So when you repent, you turn back to the face of God, right? Which is kind of intimidating if you're sinful, right? Because you don't want to look on God's face. Right? But then, and that's we have it's a very Hebrew way of speaking, then, when we use like the ironic benediction at the end of the service from number six, right? The Lord, Lord His face shine upon you, right? Lift up his countenance upon you, or look upon you with favor, give you peace. You're actually there saying, Now it's good for God to look at me because he's forgiven me. Right? I believe that again. Right? So I want to see God's face. And repentance is where so when you come into church, maybe you should come in walking in backwards next time. <laughs> and then after you confess your sins, turn towards the altar. <laughs> <laughs> some, church, some architecture is actually built this way. They put the font at the back, some of our churches. And you start around the font, not facing up to the altar. And then you confess at the font, facing the back. Well, this is how it is at Fort Wayne Seminary, right? Yeah, Confession of Sins is facing the back, facing the font, right? Because that's where forgiveness is first given, right? Yeah. In baptism? Chairs at they even have chairs. For, they have a little chapel space at the back. But you, the divine service, when they have it there, they face the back, and then, then you turn as the procession happens, you turn to face the altar. Ah. So... Oh yeah, that's right. They do too. I don't know if they do the confession around the font. Yeah, they have the font in the back too. Yeah, that's true. I think they moved it from when it was before. No, I mean they moved it from when it was a convent. Oh. I think it was a convent. It was off on one of the sides. Yeah. Roman church believes in infant baptism, but they don't really, they don't give the font a prominent place, which always then makes you, begs the question, right? If it's prominent in your theology, why isn't the font prominent in your sanctuary? Yeah. All right. So, just Thoughts. Speaking of thoughts, the Lord knows every one of our thoughts. The Bible says the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Right? So again, why are you trying to hide from God? That seems silly, doesn't it? But there you go. That's how we are. All right. So famous account here in Genesis. Ooh, did I go too far? Nope. it's there. You can see it. All right. So this is with the flood. This is before the flood. This is Noah and his family, right? My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. Right? So, there. That's actually helpful. It's not a machine, but God is setting the span of life as a result of sin. Are you saying one hundred twenty years max? Although, I guess there's some people that made it past that now, right? Very few. Very very few. Mostly seventy or eighty, right? Um. There were giants on the earth those days. Okay, let's not talk about that. And also afterward, when the sun, uh, we don't skip that. Go to verse 5. We don't need to talk about the giants. It's not pertaining to our studies today. Then the Lord saw the wick that the wickedness of man was great on the in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So this is what uh, my mom told me never to speak this way with absolutes like that. Only ever, always, right? You always, out of here, You it. You never, you always said, don't do it with your spouse. You never look at the dishwasher. It's like, I did that one time. I mean, it's, it's not true. It's mostly true. You say, you usually? I don't know. But here, when it comes to sin, God's, God can be more definitive than that. <laughs> that Right? every intent of the thoughts of his heart of man was only evil continually. All right, did that change with the flood? Oh, man, coffee. I hear it. I'm sorry. I can start making more. It's fine. Did that change with the flood? That, no. With the flood, did God wipe away all sin forever from the hearts of man? Wait a minute. You mean Noah and his sons and his sons' wives, eight souls and all? They were sinners and they took sin onto the boat? Yeah, like right after the Story, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. They get off the boat, Noah celebrates, and then he gets drunk. Yeah. yeah. And he's naked in his tent, and his sons have to cover up his shame. Yeah. Noah, heroic figure. Drunken sloth. The hero, I love, we should do a heroes of the faith study where I totally ruin them for All of them. All right, let's talk about your hero, David, just like Goliath. Mm. Not so heroic after all. Why Solomon, 700 wise. Not so wise. <laughs> kind of an idea. Plus three hundred documents to seven hundred No. Well doesn't that. Wasn't it. Makes sense. The math works. All the idolatry doesn't. Yeah, no, I know. Alright, so there you go, you get the idea, right? So what's the what what about the thoughts of man? Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. Only evil what, continually? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you don't want to know what I'm thinking. That's what I tell people. What are you thinking, Pastor? You don't want to know. Only evil constantly, continually. <laughs> Start over. No. Yeah, this, that's according to the flesh, right? That's the key. Um, by the way, I didn't finish the statement with Noah. Yeah, Noah believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Right? Quote the New Testament. Right? So it wasn't because Noah was without sin. It was because God chose him, elected him despite his sin. Yeah. So it was through God's giving that he was considered righteous. That is, through the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Was a Apparently, or at least he had a hundred years to figure it out. I mean, yeah. And an instruction book for That's God. For YouTube, That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, And there was probably metal tools. You know, because you had, you had Cain actually had metal tools. Yeah, yeah he, was a, he had his he had instruments. instruments. I forget which of Cain's sons was Metal smooth guy. Iron worker. Anyway. Um, what verse are we supposed to look at here? Eleven. Eleven. All right. Good. So this is from Psalm 94. Again, remember, your sin proves God right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct? He who teaches the man, man knowledge? Huh. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile, right? That's, again, that's back fact that Genesis story, right? Like, who told you that you were naked? God knows he's, he's, uh I've been lamenting this because uh, not so much in our school, but in the public school, it seems that, at least from catechism class, I've learned they don't do dialogue with their teachers. It's not conversational. It's lectures lecture, it's one way. They can, they can do question and answer sheets, they can take tests, but they, not out loud. Um, that's Socratic dialogue, is what that is, right? And sometimes the teacher, he asks questions, actually, always, teacher doesn't ask a question that isn't all you know the answer to, <laughs> right? Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'll say, I don't know, you know but I probably still know the answer. Right, and this is the same thing here. God asks them questions, mentioned that. Who told you you were naked? Does he know the answer? Of course he knows, right? But why is he doing that? Yeah, to lead them to go. Yeah, to understand to see their tr- see the truth. Just like Nathan with David, right? Like, well, what should happen to the guy who took the other man's wife? To... Well, he should die. Bingo. Oops, you are the man. Yeah, yeah. So here it is with God. God knows the thoughts of man that they are futile. Anybody have a different translation of that? For futile. It's Habel in Hebrew, if you're really into Hebrew. Yeah? Everybody have feudal for that? All oh, right, ESV, is it futile as well? I'm sorry, is it 93? I don't know. 94. 94. I'm sorry. I'm not making you go there. The Lord, oh, this is ESV. That's kind of fun. The Lord knows the, the thoughts of man that they are but a breath. Ooh. Here today, gone tomorrow. Oh, it's Septuagint. That's the Greek translation of the Old Testament that translates it as futile. Futile meaning pointless, I guess. Is that a good translation of that? They don't really do any good? Yeah. All right. So what's that say about your thoughts? You're so smart. You're so smart. I, I've kind of struggled with this a little bit because uh, on the one hand, uh, church... Going, going to church is, is about being passive, being not actually just coming and receiving, right? God gives, you receive, which is a passive activity. God's the one delivering the gifts, right? Just listen, right? Listen, listen. But there's an active component to it, isn't there? You do have to get out of bed, and get in the car, make the effort to get here, right? And actually hearing is not passive. Hearing is actually active. Because think about it, we say, I know you heard me, but you weren't Listening. Listening. Yeah. So we make a distinction there. Yeah. All right. We're, what are we supposed to look at? Matthew 15, verse... Oh, yeah. Here we go. I love, this. I love this text. I was thinking about it the other day because, you know, all this stuff happening in our world and people are like, you know, the Bible only says, says that Jesus is all about love and it's just about love, 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 whatever that is. Just happy feelings, I guess. And then you read Jesus and you're like, Jesus does seem to care about your life, actually, and how you live your life. Talks about it. 16, are you still not without, or still without understanding? This is the disciples, right? He's like, they're like, explain this to us, we don't still don't get it. They don't even get it in Holy Week. It's incredible. You're in Holy Week. He's saying, I'm going to die and rise, the temple's going to be destroyed. three days rise up. He's been talking about three days over and over and over. Sign of Jonah, everything, they still don't get it. It's like, you know, and we, we should give them a little bit more credit because obviously we're not in their shoes. We know the end of the story. Yeah. That's why I have I've wanted to have that experience where somebody who's never, ever heard the Bible story at all and just sit there and read it to them just straight through from one of the Gospels, just somebody who wants to hear it and see what happens when, we, when, the, when the light bulb goes off, right? The enlightenment happens from the Spirit. It'll be kind of a fun experience, but I guess we kind of do that with our own children, right? Yeah, maybe. All right. Anyway, are you still without understanding? Do you not see? <laughs> oh yeah, this is also great for the kids because it's scatological. I love that word. Scatological. Do you know that word? you Yeah. Has to do with scat. Uh cute It's the stuff that comes out of the bottom.
1: <laughs> so then we
0: can. Then, then, then you know, and then class we talk about poop. <coughs> just talk about poop. Talk about food. That's funny language, us Bathroom language. All right, anyway. Do you not know or do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is? There you go. Use your imagination. <laughs> right? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. Blah, right? He's talking about words. <laughs> not vomiting. Well, Although sometimes. Word There you go. Word <laughs> All right. For out of the heart. Actually, I think the stuff that comes out of the heart probably should we should liken that device. Seriously. <clears throat> ah, not bad. Why don't you remember that? Out of the heart come vomits, thought evil thoughts, <laughs> murder, <laughs> adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Yeah, these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. That's the parable he just talked about. What they ask uh, somebody asks, probably Pharisees, you know, why do your disciples not wash like yeah. Yeah. Notice what it is. So again, like you're baptized, not huh? What goes into the body that corrupts you? Although I would say, yeah, I'm still recovering from something I had at that camp <laughs> Sorry, that I shouldn't have eaten. Yeah, it's a little rough. But um, no, it's what comes out of you. Why? Because that reveals you're already defiled. Your heart's already defiled. by nature sinful, and corrupt. It reveals what but notice, notice how the defi- what the defiling does here, the evil thoughts. It leads to all kinds of defilement, right? Not just of you, but of others, right? I mean, murder doesn't just affect you, or hatred, if you want to be a little bit more soft, right? Adultery, that doesn't just affect you. Usually there's at least two other people involved, and sometimes more than that. I have a husband and wife, husband and wife, Really awkward. And because it was all in the church. Secretary, teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Adultery. Right? Everybody gets affected by that. Everybody. All those relationships are defiled. The only thing to bring what's the opposite of defilement? Purity. Purity. To bring to cleanse them, to heal them, is confession and forgiveness. And a lot of hard work. Afterwards, right? Not in in terms of penance, just because you've broken a vow, right? And trust is earned. Trust is not given. It's earned. Yeah. But by the way, God earns our trust, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He keeps his promises. He always reminds us, didn't I deliver you out of Egypt? Oh, yeah. Right? You see? Didn't I die for you and rise on the third day? Maybe you should trust me. Yeah, see? All right, anyway, uh, adultery, sexual immorality, so that's everything else. Today we know all about all these things because they're promoted on, <laughs> on television and movies and whatever, it's like, that's, it's not even indecent, it's worse, but anyway. Uh, theft, that doesn't just affect you, right? It affects others, you defile. You know, uh, if you've ever had your home broken into, anybody? No? I mean, it defiles your phone, right? You should call me. <laughs> well, because we'll, uh, it's violated your sovereignty, your space. Yeah. it's not just an invasion. It's not an invasion of your body the way some of these others are. It's an, it is an invasion of space. Yeah. I used to work with a the gal There who was bird She said that was the most horrible feeling when we came." Right. All of us. Just we can't. Yeah. No, I mean it's demonic, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so, again, apply God's word, apply the word of forgiveness, and install a security system. Right. Uh, false witness, right? So, when somebody lies about you, you probably, well, that's slander. Um, but false witness, uh, we've seen a lot of this, right, because the uh, the Durham report's coming out, not to speak on anything too political, but, you know, is that these people lied in court before Congress, right? And it, it hurts reputations. You have somebody... Uh, who was it, uh, Michael Flynn? Right, he was. He was falsely charged, and I mean, it ruined his life, his family, his kids had threat. death by right, His son, you know. So it defiles not only you by speaking the falsely in court, but then the people you falsely accuse. That's why uh, the proverb says, "Go and reconcile with your brother, brother privately." Jesus picks up on it again in Matthew 18, right? Just go and talk to him privately, because you might be the idiot in the, in the equation, right? It, false, it may be a false accusation. Um, don't write it down or put it in an email or share it with everybody else and never talk to the person first because you'll probably be the one that gets set in your face or worse. Mm-hmm. When it hits the fan, speaking of that scatological, <laughs> scatological, excuse me. All right. If you don't know the expression, you're probably better off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They're they're just completely dull-looking, so... You know about the... Everybody else figured it out. You don't know about it hitting the fan? Okay, good. Eventually, yeah, they'll learn that. All right. Yeah, so where... where, Or who is at fault for our thoughts? Yeah, we are... Sorry. Words. We also sin in the words that we say. That one's pretty obvious, probably. (laughs) The Bible says, In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Uh Um, so you can sin with one word or you can sin with lots of words this means that the more we talk the more likely we are to sin Uh, what do we call that right Yeah, digging a hole digging a hole husbands know that sorry to pick on one is that too much of a stereotype for you no it's not right we can admit it right yeah, we're pretty good at digging holes. Yeah, just shut up. Yes, yes, honey. That's right. Just keep it to yourself. And whatever you say is not the right answer either. Right? Yes is the right answer. Yes. All right. Plead the fifth. No, that's not helpful either. No. Because you're saying, you're, well, actually, plead the fifth is at least bad. At least you're saying you're guilty. You're just not willing to admit it because you don't want to terminate yourself. <laughs> What? Husbands don't do that. Words do ladies. Yeah. I know, I'm just picking on husband. I don't want to, you know, it's good pastoral practice to not pick on the ladies. I had one, uh, it was my, actually the president of the seminary said, don't ever let the elderly male ladies be mad. at you. Whatever you do, keep them happy. Yes, Matthew Harrison cool. said that. Many have said that, I but think. After you do, don't get the wrong side of the L W. Nope. All right. For we st- all stumble. This is James. James is really powerful book. Probably read it more often. Uh, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, <laughs> able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided very, by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Pretty good sermon illustrations, right? So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Yeah. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Another illustration, right? Like yeah, like California. <laughs> uh, and the tongue is a fire... A world of unrighteousness. You have a whole world of unrighteousness, right? in one, one little member, huh? The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. It's a little intense, yeah. yeah. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Not our dog, but I think most dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison, like a serpent, right? The venom of asps. With it, we bless our Lord, the Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Isn't that powerful? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, who's at fault for our words? Yeah. 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 And it's our tongue. All right. uh, and deeds there are two kinds of deeds deeds that we do and deeds that we don't do alright this is different than the Roman Catholic definition Sunday school kids aren't back yet we can keep going All right. Roman Catholics make a distinction between deeds do you know what they are? Okay. Right. next week is pick on Roman Catholic Church Day also known as Reformation Day what? good deeds and bad deeds? mm mortal and venial mortal and venial So there's the deeds that lead you to eternal death, the unforgivable sin, right? A sin against the Holy Spirit. And then, the penance ones. Then there's the venial, or as we like to call them as Protestants, the little white lies, right? The little sins. They don't damn you to hell, but you just need to repent of them. The Bible doesn't make (laughs) make that distinction. All sins lead to hell. Right. And you can pick pick your Bible story. It's first it's a little one. Maybe he says something. Then it becomes a bigger thing. Then it becomes a bigger thing, yeah. Eventually you have nations warring against nations. All because of one word spoken. Yeah? The tongue. What? The tongue. The tongue is a fire. Tongue is a fire, yeah. I should probably memorize that James section. Right. Um, but in our confession we actually we make a distinction between sins that we have done and sins we have left. <coughs> undone. Right. So some, this is the problem for us. This is the problem with uh, pacifism, by the way. Sometimes pacifism is good and sometimes it's not. Right. Right. Christians love peace. Sometimes we have to war. You know, that's sometimes you have to fight. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you speak, sometimes you don't. Right. It's a little, it's a little challenging, right? Because if you're like me, you just want to talk all the time. Right. Just say what's on your mind. Doesn't matter. Let the chips fall where they may, right? See what happens. Uh, like we talked about husband and wife, it didn't really work there. Sometimes just keep it to yourself. Right, right. Same thing with peace and war, et cetera. All right, so um, some sins where we fail to do what we should do are called sins of omission, right? Sins where we do what we should not do are sins of commission. All right, to so fail to do what we ought is to omit, right? omission. And where we do what we should not do are called commission, right? Our heart cooperates, if you like, co-with the deed. Make sense? Alright, so examples. Let's see. A man robs a bank. Commission or omission? omission right. Action. Uh, we see a robbery but do not call the Omission, right? Um, sometimes that's illegal, right? You actually can be charged. Someone being hurt or injured. Right? Uh, If with children, it's mandatory. If you even if you suspect a child's being abused, you have to. Which I mean, they're kind of teaching us to just be cops for against each other, which is a little problematic. But on the other hand, anyway, uh, we do not help a hungry person. Omission or commission? Omission, Omission, right? Neglect. Uh, We disobey our parents. Commission. Yeah. It's pretty easy, right? So you think about that. Sometimes to act is sinful. Sometimes to fail to act is sinful. Hmm. Right. So um, how are we supposed to go about our lives if, uh, who's at fault for our deeds? We are. Yeah. How are we supposed to go about our life if, if everything that we think and we say and we do is sinful or faulty? Or you could just quote Paul here. Who's going to save us from this body of death? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Right, and so this is what I was trying to make a case for today. Although I had a whole other, you know, part two and part three of the sermon today that we didn't get to. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot going on that I wanted to kind of cover, but um, the idea that the reason and the reason why I've promoted uh, having God's Word as a daily, consistent part of your of your life, whether it's using the congregation of prayer, which be my suggestion, but I mean, there's other resources, right? There's online, there's things you can listen to on the radio, there's just test the teacher to see if they're faithful. But, you know, there's plenty of resources. But to, or even just read your Bible just straight up. Um, although you probably want to plan for that, which is what the Congregation of Prayer does. Because if you just try to start at the beginning, you won't get very far. Yeah. So there's some better... I think there's some better ways to go about it to navigate your way through the Bible. If you want to read through the whole thing, I can give you some of those resources. But one way or another, because how are you supposed to recognize your sinful thoughts? How are you supposed to tame a sinful tongue how are you supposed to restrain yourself from sinful acts, or know when to act, and not in sin, unless you have God's word to actually inform your heart, your mind, your conscience? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I thought a lot about this because I mean, I think about like most people, I grew up with God's word as a Sunday morning thing, and a little bit throughout the week here and there as, as it was called for. But I didn't really think. I haven't really thought of Obviously now as a pastor it's different. Because my whole life is dealing with God's word, but as a pastor, right, within that vocation. But but even at home or in other vocations, do you think about like I mean that those bracelets weren't terrible, the what would Jesus do bracelets? I think they kind of missed kind of the big point is what did Jesus do? Right? Which is the bigger question, not what would Jesus do in this situation, but what has Jesus done right for me? Like, because that's then what gives you the amendment of life that changed. Jesus died for me to forgive me, right? Uh, which changes things, right? Because then you see an opportunity to forgive your neighbor, you're going to take it. Not by according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, right? Forgive as, I, as you've been forgiven, for example. Right? But if you have God's word, or even if you have something simple as like the creed, the prayer, maybe you say the Ten Commands or something each day, um, that will help guide and direct your days. So, oh, where are the children? <laughs> well, we'll just keep going. Let's do, this is a fun kind of experiment. All right, so here the question is, write the letter, which the passage speaks of th- sins of, just a way to think about it, right? Thoughts, sins of thought, sins of word, or sins of deed, O or C, omission or commission. So you've got four letters. There's a typo there. I see it, but that's okay. All right, so is it a thought, word, omission, or omission deed, or commission deed? All right, but whoever has the world's goods, these are just Bible quotes, by the way, if you didn't catch it. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Omission. Do you all agree? Omission? All right, deed of omission. I agree. Make sure you give people a chance to think about it (laughs) Ron. Or we could do it like I do it over in chapel every day. Raise your hand. We have a couple that love to blurt out the answers. It's like that's not fun for all those that. Anyway, O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? Or <laughs> right, you can yell it out, Ron. It's fine. Thought. That's correct. Uh, whoever says, Raka, you fool," shall be in danger of hellfire. Yeah, says, word. But I say to you that for every idle word, oh, this is too easy, men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. That's another saying from Jesus, right? Word. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Yeah, that's thoughts, right? But notice it's Jesus speaking, not in sin, right? He's speaking truthfully. When Jesus speaks, no sin. It's always true. That's right. All right. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Sin of. That part is sin of. Commission. Commission. Let's keep going. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Omission. That, that's a little, little tricky, isn't it? I don't think I don't know if the author meant that, but I see both of it right. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Mur- you murdered. That's pretty commission. Yeah, that's pretty commission. That's active. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Hmm. Yeah, that's a hard one, right? Yeah. Word and commission. Because the first half, by your words you will be justified. What words are we talking about that justify? I believe in Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me. Well, no, yeah, the words that justify are the words of faith, right, that confess who Jesus is and what he's done. What are the words that condemn? Right. Everything else. <laughs> Oops. Lived apart from faith. Right? Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. True. He who does so destroys his own soul. That's the part people don't get. Yeah, because they act like, oh, it's all right, you know. That's just, you know, passion, flesh, whatever. Um, and what is... Uh, uh, is that from Proverbs? I think that's from Proverbs. What is he saying? This is, Paul gets this in the epistles, too. That the sins you commit in your body don't just affect your body. Right? They affect your suke, your whole being, um, if you like your soul. Uh, by the way, sins that are committed, adultery committed in a Christian congregation, he also says destroys, or uh, brings sin upon the whole congregation. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. We don't think about it that way. It's just, because it, we were taught this when it comes to cultural matters, not just politics, but other stuff too, is that, well, whatever we do in the privacy of our own home is none of your business. Who told you that? God's word tell you that? Nope. Nope. What does God's word say? <laughs> Please, sexual immorality. I don't care if it's in your bedroom under your sheets. <laughs> right? The church invades, well, I should rather say the church by way of God's word, invades pretty close to home, doesn't it? What, how's the word described? As a sharp two-edged sword going to the division of bone and marrow? That's pretty close. Can you get any more invasive than a surgeon with his... Sword? A scalpel? Yeah. Sword. <laughs> well, he calls it a sword. I call it a scalpel. That's Proverbs 6.32, by the way. Proverbs 6.32. Right, so, again, this is, the, uh, this, this is a whole other matter, but I, I've been thinking a lot about it. It's like, what's the role of the church in critiquing culture? Because it gets a little fatiguing after a while. Because, like, you're going to talk about Dungeons & Dragons again. You guys with your demon worship. And you're going to talk about metal music, you know, you yeah. know. You know, it's all rah, 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 it's so aggressive and it's terrible you know or are you actually going to talk about things that matter you know and uh, I think we have to look and say does God's word say right does God's word say something about about lust and, and the heart yeah like I don't know about you but I like driving down the interstate through Chicago I want to get out of my car and de- deface the billboards because <laughs> they're te- I mean they're terrible they're terrible it's inappropriate as a society I mean well anyway I I'm not a big fan of censorship, but I'm also a fan of, like, restraint and saying this is, this is an appropriate context, or this is just really never appropriate, you know? I don't know about those. Yeah, that's probably never appropriate. <laughs> probably. I'm being joking. Uh, but now, you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Get that out of your mouth. Yeah. It's pretty much everything, isn't it? I think Ron's right. I mean, it's words, right? Anger, wrath, malice, blah. These are all things that come out of your mouth. But Wow. All right, true or false? When we sin, where are the children? They're going a long time today. When we sin, it's not our fault. It's the devil's fault. He's got the devil in him. Ironically, Eve. I didn't... The yeah, the serpent made me. The serpent lied, and or the serpent, yeah. We only sin when we do a wrong deed. Yeah, think about the heart and the mind. Yeah, we don't know if maybe this is maybe this is another example of where the word of God has um, how how we've limited it because it's it's conforming us to the image of Christ, but that image is not just the things that Jesus did. Here they are. Let me just sit down. Thank you, Mariah. Um, it's not just the things that they that 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 uh, Jesus did, but that we're to be conformed to the mind of Christ, too, the way he thinks about the world, the universe, and everything, life, the universe, and everything, right? And even his heart. You look at his heart. What does his heart conform to have? He sees the, the sheep without a shepherd, and he has compassion, compassion on them, right? He loved his own even unto the end. He saw... He saw the disciple whom he loved and he said to his mother, Behold your son, behold your mother. Right? You see, it's not just or his heart or just the things he said or what he did. So when we're conformed to Christ, we're being conformed to the whole person. That's right. That's helpful. Uh, bad words are not as bad as bad deeds. Right. Oh, that's a whole other subject for another time. Maybe we'll talk about. Remind me to talk about that next week. Original sin is the sin of Adam, correct? Right? Passed on to his children. Sins of commission are the sins that we do. True. By nature, we are basically good with a few flaws. Or that that billboard in Dyer. What was it? We're all messed up. We're working on it. Yeah, we're all a little messed up, but we're working on it. Supposedly, Christian church. Okay. They they even. Um, Misquote, like, yeah, it's a misquote. It's Mark sixteen sixteen or something. It's like, that's not what that text is about. Anyway. Um, we're all a little messed up. If it had said we're all completely messed up, but Jesus is working on it. Yeah, okay, that's better. But that's not very catchy. And people will be like, Jesus? Yeah. I want to take action for my... Yeah, okay, well. By nature, we want nothing to do with the things of the Spirit. True. Uh, we only become sinners after we first sinned. I don't know. Babies come out pretty much sinning pretty quick. But but that's, yeah, it's true by nature. We were born with sin. True. So think about uh, David's sin, if you would, and you can look at sins. First Samuel. All right, so that's confession of sins. That's kind of the sad part, I suppose. But I've hopefully given you enough Jesus because we'll get to absolution next. And we have to talk about some of those images like from Psalm 51. Being washed, being made clean, defilement, we'll talk about it again. All right, let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have blessed us uh, with your Son, who has shown us not only who he is, uh, but how he has overcome sin, death, and devil for us, forgiving us our every sin. We ask that you would turn our hearts back to you, that you would have us face up to you uh, in confession that we would be forgiven in Jesus. In his holy name, amen.